0: Hey, welcome to the Rhona Morrell podcast. So do you ever feel like screaming out in the office, on Zoom or outside the school gates, for the love of God, come on, really? But if this is you and you're looking for an honest, fun and frank podcast on life and business, then sit back and listen to me, Raina Morrell. I'll be bringing great people on the show to talk, share and debate their life experiences and business challenges. Keeping the show unpolished, but with a fun and unique British style with sarcasm, tenacity, or maybe a few swear words or tears. This podcast keeps it real, honest, raw, and removes the bullshit in the only way I know how, through authenticity and getting shit done. Think of it less like The Housewives of New York or Towie, with the lipo and drama, and more like The house Housewives of the real world. I hope you'll take something away to be better informed, laugh, smile, or maybe even finally getting the confidence to shout, come on, really. So enjoy. Hey, Bianca, welcome to the Rain and podcast. How are
1: you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me today.
0: Oh, you're very, very welcome. Um, Listen to all of those tuning in. I am delighted to have Bianca um, with me today, Bianca Pitt. Um, I'm shamelessly going to read out her bio because I don't want to miss anything because she's one hell of an incredible lady. Um, But Bianca has a background in law, business, um, media and corporate finance, and you're an advisor to the environmental charity sector. Uh, You're an activist and a campaigner and an environmental funder. Um, you're the co-founder of She Changes Climate, easy for me to say, Um, on the Development Board of Client Earth, a strategic advisor group of the Environmental Funders Network, the advisory group uh, of the Sustainable Angle, Action Board of Action for Conservation and Board for Nature 2030. Um, Bianca also founded and is curating the Women of the Environment Network, which I hope we'll touch on in a bit. Um, You and your husband also endowed the first Chair for Environmental Sustainability at INSEED, one of the leading business schools, and you're a Fellow of the RSA and TEDx Speaker You live on a beautiful farm down in West Sussex with your family, and you are looking to grow that into a regenerative um, agriculture, along with local community farmers, etc. So, wow. Thank you so much, Bianca. and Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Did I say all of that right?
1: (laughs) Apart from INSEAD, that's a business school in France, um, and Ah. not many people would know that. Uh, unless you really have this MBA focus. Um, so it was in SIAT and you got everything else right. And I have to say, if you read it out, it does sound like a heck of a lot of of stuff I'm involved with. But the the yeah, I guess if you're passionate about something, you know, the rest follows really from
0: there. Exactly. And and, and so with with all of that, because a lot of that is the here and now. It's not like you did that, then that, then that. It's like you're doing all of that. So I really want to bring a light to She Changes Climate first. So tell us a little bit about what drove that that passion and why you set it up. So so if you'd
1: told me that a year ago, a bit over a year ago, that I'd be working on women's equality issues, I would have I would have laughed and said no, absolutely not. Um, just to explain to your listeners what She Changes Climate is, it is a campaign. Uh, which I co-founded with um, two other terrific ladies, Antoinette Vermillier and Elise Buckle, and a vast team of helpers and volunteers who are unfortunately too many to be all named individually, but who are uh, in their own rights um, leading climate and biodiversity uh, campaigners around the world um, who all helped us put together a campaign uh, which we had to set up when it came to our attention last year, September, mm. that the UK that was hosting the international climate negotiations this coming autumn, uh, the so-called COP, it's called the COP because that is short for Conference of the Parties uh, in Glasgow, had announced a leadership for uh, that conference, and unfortunately, there wasn't a single woman in that leadership team. Now, yeah. we, uh, because as you mentioned earlier, I, I founded this network for women in the environment. That's a group of environmental philanthropists, um, founders and CEOs of charities and foundations and influencers were, you know, with, with you know, including the CEO of WWF UK, uh, RSPB, Plastic Planet, Share Action, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we were absolutely astonished that, you know, that would happen in the 21st century, that, that nobody would notice that perhaps it looked odd if no. there wasn't a single woman on a leadership team. And when we addressed this with the CEO of COP26, uh, Peter Hill, we said, Peter, don't you, wouldn't it have looked odd if the team had been announced as an all-female lineup? Wouldn't yeah. you have found that astonishing? You know, it just, we were surprised that no one else had noticed and decided, apart from the Guardian, um, which were Fiona Harvey very, uh, you know, helpfully uh, put this into an article, and so we decided to set up this campaign. Uh, we got over four hundred climate leaders, uh, female climate leaders from around the world, and their supporters, including Emma Thompson, Emma Watson, Ellie Goulding, uh, Chelsea Clinton, etc., to to sign this letter in support uh, to government, saying that unless we get women into international climate negotiations and the uk you know leads by example by by appointing some terrific women to the team yeah uh the the conference can't be the success that we all needed to be at this point in time
0: no and i think i remember seeing that that photo and kind of being taken aback and going really, like we are, it's the UK and as a leading nation. And it was just, it was embarrassing. And you just thought, well, you know, the classic role of the female being the head of HR, you know, for me, I see a lot of women in the sustainability space and it feels like that. I don't know if it's a becoming a potential male or female, Divide, But I see way more women leading sustainability in organizations. Um, But that photo was really shocking. Mm -hmm.
1: I think I think so. So you you're reflecting a bit on this network that that I've been curating for about four years now, uh, where we share just informally, you know, our our concerns for the planet and news and projects, our hopes and, and vision very much. Um, I could see how women were absolutely passionate about, about nature, essentially, and everything in it, you know, whether that's climate, biodiversity, they they care about pollution, they don't want yet more plastic pollution, for example, or toxins in the environment. Um, and I think that comes from us, you know, traditionally having looked after the next generation, right, you know, yeah. carrying the next generation, bringing it to fruition, essentially launching them into the world, you know. I think, you know, we are all feeling very alarmed about the state of play the state of the planet now because we have this long term view as women, and we are hugely greatly concerned about the next generation. Yeah, Uh, something that I felt personally when when I became a mother. Um, I, I and I'm going to talk about the link between women and the environment a bit later again. But when I became a mother, uh, I had t- I took some time off work, so I had time to read up outside my industry interest, which was then corporate finance. And the more I read, the more questions I asked. You know, what's yeah. what is in this, this, these nappies that um, you know they can absorb liquid for 24 hours without exploding, and, <laughs> and, and why do they melt so chemically? And and what's in the the this preserved baby food and and what's in the air that my daughter breathes you know I had all these questions because I cared too much for the baby and I wanted her to be healthy and well but I realized the more I read I realized that the world in which this baby was born or had been born the world it had been born into and it was being raised was actually really not healthy at all for this Mm -hmm. child and that and that also the way we were going the rate we're going with The many people we are on the planet now, we were heading really for environmental destruction, complete environmental destruction. And why was that? Because the systems we had set up during the industrialization weren't fit for purpose anymore. They weren't designed uh, for so many people to to carry so many people on the planet. So our food system, our transport system, our energy system were all out of date. They were all inappropriate for our time. And... um, and therefore, we need to redesign them. Why? Because we can live on a planet with the same amount of people we have at the moment, as long as we have sustainable yeah. systems and sustainable practices. But to build these, and, and you know, the question obviously arises: why do we have why is this COP26? You know, mm. we, we have COP26 now, and we're still not any further. In fact, emissions are still growing, not even yeah. slow. I mean, that is the shocking reality we're facing here. And we are well into the sixth mass extinction uh, of biodiversity. That means plants and animals are disappearing fast from Mm. the surface of our planet. And why is that? Because, you know, our our systems don't let, you know, don't allow us to really, uh, you know, live sustainably at all. I saw...
0: same? No, no. I was gonna say I heard a stat this morning that four out of ten young children um, don't want to have children now because they're that concerned.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's terrible. So and the question was why on earth? Because this is not new news. I have to say, you know, for some people no. it, it will be because you know they are so busy. Everyone is so busy with with just getting on with their lives, earning earning their daily bread right you know we, we've all been there and the so the problem is a lot of people haven't really read up about this at all but secondly also but you know for those who who for example fossil fuel companies they have known this for over 50 years this is not news to them or say the big plastics producers again those are yeah. actually chemical companies uh, again fossil fuel companies you know it's not news to them that plastic spills out into the oceans for example and pollutes you know vast amounts of our oceans and beaches this is not news to them at all quite quite the opposite they've had about 50 years so so you know all that time now half a century to amend to, to reckon with it to to Take responsibility for it and alter the course of, of direction here. However, unfortunately, they just haven't. You know, they have pushed this all under the carpet and carried on with as if we were really in business as normal. Yeah. And um, why is that? I think and and those were the questions I was asking myself. You mm. what we need to do to change this, to change this stagnation. Yeah. To to what are the barriers essentially, you know, that that we are facing. And I thought this is sort of inside businesses, uh, you know, managers are unwilling to change the status quo and so on. And it was actually only because of the, this COP leadership team uh, lacking women that we began to research where women were lacking in general. And I realized, oh my goodness, at a real aha moment, they are missing everywhere. They are yeah. missing absolutely everywhere in leadership. They're not in government, they're not in business. So just to give you some numbers, um, you know, in business, for example, only 7% of FTSE 100 CEOs are women. Yeah. In government, well, as we all know, 0% of US presidents have been women. Only 3% of UK prime ministers have been women. Only a quarter of the world's parliamentarians are women and the yeah. fifth of ministers. So, so we just only about 2.3, I mean, the stats vary there, two, around 2.3 to 4% uh, percent of uh, VC funding goes to women-led teams, yeah. for example, so, so finance doesn't support women either. Uh, you know, the, the stats are absolutely flabbergasting. We're in yeah. single digits. Well, guess what you know if we are 50 and, and women are 51 percent of the world's population the world's so they're actually the yeah. majority of the world's population now if you don't have the majority of the world's population in leadership not even remotely in leadership well of course something's going
0: to go yeah. wrong. it's
1: like trying to steer a ship around the world with one eye firmly patched up
0: and do you I think mean, to- yeah yeah I mean do you think there's an element of that because you know I, I, I talk to friends and colleagues and things like that do you think that actually their vision of what it means to be in leadership or the historical legacy is like I don't want to be a part of that because that's not how I want to lead and be so it just puts off so many yes. women striving for that.
1: Completely I mean it's interesting to read Cheryl. Sandberg's book, Lean In, on this, which describes exactly that. And, and finally, I, had, I, had, I was listening to someone's, um, I think it was a, a startup in the finance sector. I listened to their presentation and I thought this is, it somehow doesn't grip me. And I thought, why, you know, why is that? Why have women traditionally not wanted to particularly go into the finance sector? Now, if you look at the finance sector, how it developed, you know, it really started with families, setting up banks and then those banks were handed on always through the male line so women were not invited to take up the leadership for these finance institutions Uh, they had other roles to play you know they had to marry and and then look after the education of the children perhaps but they were not instrumental in designing the finance industry as we know it today yeah and I, th- I thought, what would the finance industry look like if it had been co-designed by women? Yeah. Because I believe in co-design. We believe in 50-50 vision. So there is a reason nature is so clever. There is a reason why normally if you have a species, you know, sort of a good balance of 50-50 born each year, right? Yeah. Why is that? Because we need balance. If you have balance at the top, you know, everything, I really think, Pans out well. And I think that is something that we now need to see. So we now need to bring in this female vision, the new architects essentially of you know, fresh eyes to look at finance, for example, the finance sector, to make it better, you know, yeah. to make it more equal, yeah, to allow more participation, right? And to yeah. just generally get better outcomes. And the same is true for food, the food system the transport system, energy system, even sectors like uh, the fashion sector, for example, which is considered always a very female dominated sector. If you look at the leadership structures there, you find that actually at the top, it's always men again. And the same interestingly for the art sector. So we spoke to Dame Jude Kelly, sorry, Mm -hmm. Jude Kelly, who is, um, who set up the WOW Foundation. Uh, to tell women's stories, she was um, she worked in the art sector, and she said she realized even there in that sector that many people consider very sort of ephemeral, you know, sort of female-dominated sector. Yeah. Again, who who was running the museums? Who were who were the people running the galleries? Who, whose work was shown in those museums and in the galleries? You know, again, you saw that male domination. And that is something that we just need to address now because we aren't even aware of it. I wasn't aware of it. Yeah. And I say I, I'm lucky because you know I'm very privileged. I'm white. I live in the Western world, in a very wealthy country. You know, I'm. I've had an education. Yeah. So yes, I'm extremely lucky and god unlucky. If you read the accounts of women living in India, for example.
0: Yeah. You know, exactly. In the-
1: Oh my goodness, so, so you know, if, if we don't see the bias and if we don't lead, you know, by changing things today, then the rest of the world really has no hope. And, uh, yeah. you know, the climate crisis for me is actually a, a result, actually, of this imbalance. You know, I think if, since we've not allowed women into leadership for so long, uh, we've we've been working with this imbalance so long we have a certain culture at the top there is no doubt about that yeah uh, it's exclusive it is not inclusive much as there's talk about inclusion the UK uh, signed the so-called gender action plan which sets out um, that women will be included uh, you know the civil service they have a sort of gender equality process they, they look for you know they run through when they hire people and so on the reality is we ourselves men and women are not aware of that absolutely inherent bias we have against women and yeah. once you become aware of that bias by reading for example Cheryl Sandberg's book or the authority gap uh, by Mary Ann Seacott your eyes open yeah and you, your eyes open to the opportunity really exactly the opportunity that we have now And now that we're in the midst of a climate and biodiversity crisis, it's it's not even a crisis, it's an emergency, now more than ever, do we have to get in new people to sort this out? We cannot, we cannot get ourselves out of this crisis by using the same thinking that created it in the first
0: place. Exactly, and I think what I would hate to be is at COP50, and still be having these, like you say, it's COP26, guys, that in itself is is scary. And I think that power of balance between um, money, I think, is such a poisonous, is that the wrong word, but so influential in how we run the world. You know, and I often look at some of the richest men in the world who are all, you know, fighting to get to space. And I'm like, wow, just think what you could do with that money and put it into another area of the world of inequality or climate. Or, you know, we're not looking after here. Let's not try to find water up here. I mean, as as amazing as it is. Um, But that that really scares me. And, And I just think, how do how do I justify it to my girls? that we've had all this time
1: yeah well i think you know we, we've just not been aware of the bias we suffer from i had to, yeah, it, it was helpful for me to read about racial bias uh, i'm white so you know I, I don't you know i've never suffered from racial bias so i don't mm. actually really know what that means and i read uh people's accounts you know there was a, a professor at oxford who talked about this you know he was he's zimbabwean and he t- talked about his childhood in Zimbabwe and, and you know, Zimbabwe obviously has, has a colonial history. yeah. And what that meant, though, for black Zimbabweans and then coming to Europe and working here and working at Oxford. And it was eye opening. I realized people are subjected to bias in a way that that, you know, certainly Western leadership doesn't at all comprehend or understand. No.
0: And it's conscious and, and subconscious, isn't it, as well?
1: Absolutely, totally. And it helps to just become aware of it. And once you're aware of it and aware of the bias agreement, you realize it's completely nonsensical. It's just, it just makes no sense. And it is holding us back from being successful. You know, we know that diversity at the top makes businesses more successful. You know, we see that, for example, countries that have more female parliamentarians have better climate policy and lower emissions. Yeah. Uh, the 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 way you have better gender equality, countries, nations, the economists just did a, a good special on that. Um, I think last week uh, are far more successful, and we all want to be successful. So, what we also need to understand: this is not a women's issue. This is no. humanity's issue. This is humanity's issue. Now, you know, this is about our survival because we are in this climate emergency and biodiversity emergency and this is now about our survival so we need to bring in men because we want to survive and and what you mentioned earlier people shooting themselves into space you know that's a lack of vision you know people yeah. like that clearly lack vision right they lack they, they cannot prioritize properly you know if that's your priority you haven't properly reflected on what is needed right now, and and then such people, are, you know, everyone can have their hobby, yeah, but they yes. shouldn't be considered leaders because that is not leadership, you know, that's self indulgence, uh, that sort of, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's just self. indulgence Well, it makes it makes
0: people like me just feel like, well, it's a nice to have, but also I I, I sit there and go. Oh, if I had that bank balance, I wouldn't be trying to shoot for the moon. Like, there is so many things that I would want to do. And I don't know if that is inherently because I'm female versus a a male. And like you say, I'm a massive believer in that um, combination of both. It isn't about only men, only women. Um, I, I just...
1: And I think also if we, you know, if we didn't have a climate and biodiversity emergency, well, yeah, absolutely fly to space. I mean, you know, spend millions on on whatever, you know, the, the I don't begrudge people, you know, I said, everyone can have their own hobby and, and you know, do the things that make them happy, hopefully, however... You know, we have to grasp the the reality of of the world we're living in, you know, Mm. and the reality is, and I promise you, I wish it wasn't like that. I also much would prefer to, for example, have lunch with friends every day and I don't go sailing and and play the piano or something. Yeah. But the reality is, we have some major, major, major issues to deal with. Yeah. And we need to focus 100% on sorting this out now. We owe it to ourselves. Uh, our reputation is totally on the line uh, mm-hmm. and we certainly owe to the following generations our children yes. our grandchildren as ancestors you know, this is our duty to sort out we shouldn't be seeing children on the street protesting in climate marches we should be on the street and all of us all of us our generation now from baby boomers down have to sort this out this cannot be left to you know, generation sets onwards, uh, all these, you know, next gen uh children to yeah. sort out. It's completely irresponsible from and, us.
0: Um, and, and and it is, it, it's kind of I can understand why many people might go, it's too big for me. I can't do anything. There's that sense of, you know, because we paint a picture of um disaster. And so for many people, they just think, what can I do? But equally, I think Mm. as as a generation of people, not only is it embarrassing, like you say, there's a legacy to do here, but what are your thoughts on the true cause of climate? So there's lots of talk of solutions and technology and regeneration, all of those things. But what's your views on the actual root cause and where do you see the root cause?
1: Well, I think, the, I think this, this lopsided leadership, you know, has led us to do things in a certain way that isn't necessarily conducive for, you know, all of, of humankind. I'm not going to say mankind, not, but humankind, you know. We need to, we can't do business in a way that just benefits a few. Yeah. I mean, industrialization was good in many ways. You know, it lifted many, many people out of poverty. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are all here, certainly in the Western world, the beneficiaries of it. Uh, and it's hard to let go of things or to think, oh, what? But if we move to, of course, people are reluctant to change things. You know, they are worried that they, that they might um, entail a loss here. However, the problem is that with our consumption, you know, we have tipped... Uh, the planet into to the tipping we are literally at the tipping point mm. now for the planet so we are about to as we can see with floods and wild flood fires um, and droughts devastating droughts that cause war across the world um, and m- trillions in damages we can yeah. see and the prediction is that it'll just get to the point by the end of this decade to so 2030 uh, we have this decade, the remainder of this decade to sort this out. It will get so bad that we can't send children outside to play anymore. And we've I've heard so many counter of friends who spent the summer, you know, inside their houses rather mm. than outside because it was just too hot to go outside. Well, we'll have that all year round. Yeah. And, and what has caused this? It's it's definitely our you know, it's our food system. It's the way we eat. Uh, we just don't live within our means. Yeah. You know we we live beyond our means, and and I think it's the futurist that I've heard speak very sensibly talk about you know how can we learn what is enough Yeah, you know, how can we learn to have be happy with enough again Yeah, and and that's something we have to ask ourselves individually, of course. You know, what is enough? Yeah. For me? Have I got enough? You know, if I feel I don't have enough, why do I not feel? have enough you know particularly looking at how our grandparents live for example who often had enough and were happy with enough and quite frankly it it wasn't much but it was enough yeah and that's great
0: yeah i think i i reflect fondly say when i was younger and i went traveling or in my older years where i've traveled and i've gone to countries that the, the the balance and tipping point of it is they have nothing and yet are so kind and giving and playful and happy and I could just lose myself in those countries that that drive ultimately to have enough and be happy should far outweigh the world that we live in. And, and that, that for me gives me the hope of you know stripping back and, and, and how content and purposeful and happy as an individual or a family you can be.
1: Absolutely and, and I love that story of the, the banker who goes to Greece every year and he he, at the, he sits on the beach and gazes out at the horizon and, and sees a fisherman and, and says to the fisherman you're so lucky to live here I am working really hard so that one day I can afford you know I have enough money and I can afford to come and live here as well And the fisherman says well i I work here every day but i live here every day as well i enjoy this every day and and to me that sort of quintessentially just says that you know what what are we chasing here unnecessarily perhaps you know when when actually life might be about different things you know might be about enjoying the moment rather than trying to gain something which is far away and, and might not give us that satisfaction that we are ultimately truly seeking
0: yeah And I think one of the things that you've really touched on is really around education and that awareness from a younger age around things like cultural differences, racism, education, um, sexuality, all of those things that can just open people's eyes to to be more empathetic and, and mm. kind of take a second thought consciously and subconsciously about their impacts on people and what they can can kind of achieve um, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish it with just with, with one last question I could torture you for, for ages and maybe we'll do this again another time but if if you could have that kind of legacy for your beautiful children what's the one thing that if I said you have to focus on this and nail What would
1: it be? I think I want my children to know that I tried my best. I tried my best. I tried my best to be a mother. I tried my best to protect this planet from destruction. Ultimately, I tried my best to build a sustainable and happy future for them. Mm -hmm. That is what, what I want them to take away. And I think if we all do that, you asked earlier what what people can do, you know, sometimes people feel powerless and they Mm -hmm. they feel, uh, it's not up to me. Well, I felt exactly the same way a while back, you know, when I read, when I first found out about this, well, what should I do? I'm sitting at home. I'm a mother. I have a newborn on my hands. I literally, no one wants to listen to me. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You are someone. Each of us is really important. And it's amazing how, you know, either by going out and joining others who care for this or just setting up things that we want to see happen, Yeah, uh, you know, we can change the course of this world. We are instrumental in building a better future that way. You know, it is so exciting and fun to realize that and to get going on that, that I really want to encourage all your listeners to to do just that, to actually in, in your own way, yeah. you know, start building a better future. It's worth it.
0: That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Bianca. I know there's just a ton of things and it's just a small part of what you do. And, you know, thank you from, from my side and, and for the listeners as well, for everything that you do and absolutely keep fighting that. And, um, yeah i'm sure people can reach out and find out more about she changes climate um so thank you so so much for coming on today it's been absolutely fantastic to have you thank you
1: for giving me the opportunity here to speak
0: thank you Rana. you're very welcome take care bye 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 so that's it you've made it the show's over thank you for being with us i hope you've been able to take something away maybe solve a problem or just know you're not alone here's hoping it made you smile with a few laughs along the way please feel free to find me on all social media channels and you can subscribe to my youtube channel just search the rona morale podcast have an awesome day and see you next time